Hey again, travel bosses. I'm excited to bring you this week's sponsor, TripStreak, the smarter travel search. What I love about TripStreak is the ability to set your personal preferences to either have or avoid red-eye flights or have things like completely lie-flat seats. So the next time you need to book a flight, check out tripstreak.com slash travel like a boss. Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, the radio show all about traveling like a boss by being your own boss. Stay tuned for weekly interviews featuring guests that have built their own online businesses. If you would like to have access to our entire back catalog, visit travellikeabosspodcast.com for instant access. And here's your host, Johnny Epstein. Hey guys, it's Johnny and welcome to episode 164 of the Travel Like Boss podcast. I am in Ireland with Sam Marks. Hey Johnny, thanks for having me back on, man. This has been an awesome week and looking forward to chatting about it on Travel Like a Boss. Yeah, it's been crazy. So if you guys haven't seen my post on johnnyft.com or watched the YouTube video, Sam and I just got done walking from Dublin all the way down to Clone Gal which is this little tiny village in southern Ireland. We basically walked how – many, how many miles did we walk? How many kilometers? Okay. So if you actually look at the Wicklow Way track and trail, it will say 127 kilometers. Don't quote me on the mile conversion to that. But I think it was closer to 160 kilometers according to our, our own like phone g- GPS and, and tracking. Yeah. It, it was definitely a lot longer. And I think part of the reason is because – the Wicklow Way official trail doesn't count walking two kilometers to our guest house <laughs> off the trail and then another 2K back in the morning. There's just a lot of, there's a lot of zigzagging and crossing paths and, you know, it, somehow it all adds up. But I, I really think that each day ends up being 25% more walking than expected. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think I actually did the math uh, on my blog post summer, but it was something insane. It was, the equivalent of running three marathons, but we're not just running, we are hiking through mountains. So we're going up in, in a bit of elevation. We have this huge pack on us that weighs, you know, between 10 to 20 kilos. So, you know, 20 to 30 pounds on our, on our, our backs. And we are, we're hiking through, through the mountains. Uh, and the rain and the hay fever and the leprechauns. Let's not forget. Uh, definitely haven't seen any leprechauns, but I did see a rainbow, which, which is pretty amazing. So if you guys haven't listened to episode 163, that was kind of the beginning uh, with Fabian, one of Sam's buddies that came out. Shout out to Fabian. But unfortunately, he had to go back to Germany. So Sam and I had continued from – there was a day four to day eight. W- kind of overall, what did you think – what do you think the first half or the second half was harder? I – think the second half was more difficult okay because of two parts one the first couple of days was just ultra exciting super free and and uh just out in nature for the first time in a long time is a pretty special feeling so even though we were still walking like 28k a day the first couple of days it just felt very freeing and um and i guess didn't really notice the weight on the back so much but then towards the second half of the trip, we actually were doing shorter days, but the rain started coming. It you started becoming a little bit more numb to the kind of the cool local pubs and the local scenery. And then, of course, which I'm sure we'll talk about, came that massive monster day, which was the most probably the most physically enduring day of 
of my life, which was our very last day uh, to Klungal. Yeah, so that last day, we walked 45 kilometers, which is 27 miles. That is a marathon in one day. Did you, did you realize that? I, I thought it was 30 miles, so I'm actually a little disheartened to hear it was only 27. <laughs> but, um, but the cool thing to know is that we were definitely pushing our physical limits at that point. I mean, I know, I know my body was... I think I probably could have done another 5K and I think knees would have started buckling. But one of the coolest things was the guy that we met afterwards who was ex-Special Forces in the British military. And he was telling us a lot about military history. And 30 miles is kind of where things start to happen bad in, in military marches. And it's not too often in history that there's been 30-mile marches in military. But most of the time, they're force marches. And that's pretty much the level when infantry starts to fatigue and, and basically collapse. So knowing all this, why did we do this walk? Well, why did we do the, the last 45K day walk? No, no. Why did we do this whole Wicklow Way walk in the first place? Well, the okay. Well, I want to answer my question first, which was, I think you had some miscalculations on the last day, which I went along with, which, which I'm glad we did because we pushed our limits. The Wicklow Way... Uh, was never intended actually because the walk was supposed to just be a walk across Ireland to raise money for a child's dream. And of course, the quickest way to do that would have been a straight line from Dublin to Galway, which I think we could have banged out in about 10 days if we had gone straight. But Fabian, of course, got involved and Fabian being German and a master of planning and preparation spotted this new Wicklow Way trail, which is kind of world renowned top everywhere you look, it'll, it'll be seen as a top 10 trail in the world. Uh, and it just looked really appealing. So can't really say no to, to somebody who's hot on the topic. So we just went with it. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely glad that we went on the Wicklow Way because walking on the road for that many miles a day just sucks. I, I think, you know, every day, on most days, especially in the second half, we had a lot of road walking. And first, it's not good for your your feet or your your knees, uh, just because it's such hard pavement versus hiking when you're in either grass or you're in dirt. But and hiking is just it's just so much more beautiful. I mean, you just like you see so much more. You see so many random animals. You you know you're just you you see these crazy views. You have lakes. You have these little villages we pass through. So I'm really really happy we did the Wicklow Way. Yeah, and for people out there who've seen the movie P.S. I Love You, it is actually a lot like that. Like we are ending every single day at a I don't you can't call it a village because it's literally just like a river crossing that has one pub and one Airbnb not Airbnb a bed and breakfast that has four rooms. There's there's two buildings that have probably been there for 500 years. And that's it. So I don't even, I don't even know if you can call that a village. It's it's just like an outpost more like. But the people that we meet there are remarkable. Um, and it's been it's been cool hearing a lot of their stories, of course, some of their ancestry. And a lot of people have been moving back to Ireland. They went in. They were living in London or Paris or Berlin working for 20 years and they moved back to Ireland uh, and they seem more happy than ever. Say they're more happy than ever. And I totally get it because. You mentioned walking on the roads, Johnny, like when we're on the roads and there's cars passing us, it seems so stressful when you're out in nature and you don't hear a, a, uh, or see a car and you don't hear 
machinery or airplanes. You just hear all the only noise you hear is sheep, really the sheep in the wind. And then you get back onto the road and you see traffic. It, it's really, really stressful. So I, I can massively see the appeal uh, in the countryside and, and this type of lifestyle a lot of people have chosen for themselves. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I think we even joked a few times about just buying a piece of land there, just building a little farmhouse mm-hmm. and, and just living out there. It's not, it's oddly enough, it's not that cheap, uh, but it would be, I, I could come to, this is my fourth time to Ireland. I could come every year. I think it's, it's a special place. I would say people wise, there are no better people. I, I would put Irish and Thai people up there top two in terms of hospitality, you know, just all around kind of good, goodness, good culture, uh, happiness, always up for a good conversation. Endless amounts of people have offered us rides, tried to bring us in for tea. Um, it's just, it's just a great place. It's almost a magical place in a way. Yeah, definitely. It was super, super friendly. I, I and I honestly didn't think I would like Ireland as much as I, I did. I, I've actually been here for one weekend, eight years ago or something, but I was just, you know, in, in Dublin. I didn't really see much. We just drank and, um, went back to London. But this time when I actually went through and I, and I got to sit down and just talk to people who live here and live in smaller areas, it's, it's like, you know, the, the relationship with my grandma that I never really had. Mm-hmm. We always say like, like I'm from Florida, Johnny, and I'm sure you've had similar experiences out in California. When we used to take vacation, family vacations from Florida up to the Carolinas every year, almost every 50 miles you would go from South Florida to the Carolinas, the people would get like 10% nicer. And by the time you got to Georgia, it was it was like people were twice as nice and twice as hospital, uh, hospitable. And by the time you got to Carolinas, it was like you're living in a, in a different world. Like the people were so friendly and, and, and just in everything that they did. And I, I, that's probably similar to the experience of being in London to being, you know, into the countryside. People in London are great, or, or I'm sorry, in Dublin are great. But once you get to the countryside, it's like it's a whole nother level of, of hospitality. Yeah, I definitely agree. And even with London, I'm sure if you went down to like Devon or something, you know, mm-hmm. one of the smaller, uh, smaller towns, it would be the same thing. And I definitely encourage everyone to escape the big cities once in a while and see the rest of the country, maybe on foot. Do you think you're going to be doing more of these like long walks or long hikes? Actually, you're still on one, right? You're still, you're still walking. You know, I got, I'm, I, I, I have <laughs> further to go now. Than I did when we started in Dublin because we took such a southern route. Um, it's today was the first day I actually started having doubts. I'm gonna finish it if if nothing like physically ail, ailing happens, but uh, it's it's pretty enduring right now. It's the weather's been bad the last few days and still have 300 over 300 kilometers to go. So it's just one of those things you just have to focus of the day ahead and, um, and not think about, you know, having to do this for the next 30 days. But I would say after this, I'm more interested in crossing countries by other means. So like, I'd like to cross a country by bicycle. I'd like to cross a country by motorcycle. I'd like to cross a country by, uh, like maybe by camel or, you know, just like cool alternative ways to, to cars and planes. Okay. I can definitely see that. I do like the idea of walking, uh, maybe Bicycling might be might might be on uh, our list as well. I think that'd be pretty cool. But so I left you two days ago. Now was it was it yesterday? 
Well, they might have been... you're... Yeah, officially, maybe. Yeah, officially. I think it was just yesterday, actually. Wow, like time has, has flown by. So if you guys are interested in what we actually did on the Wicklow Way, just go to johnnyft.com and look for uh, Wicklow Way. We have everything there, you know, basically detailed from day to day. And I actually just uploaded the epic video where it took me an entire week to film. Uh, and it's it's cool. So you, I think you guys would like that. But I'm curious, Sam. When I left you, what have you what have you done since? What was that? What was yesterday's walk like? <laughs> yesterday was like the worst day because after the 45k walk that we did, I mean, both of us were shattered, right? Uh, we had an amazing stay in this castle, which was almost like a stroke a stroke of Irish luck. Where I'm not I'm sh- I'm not sure if you talked about this, but basically, we Johnny rented an Airbnb. And it was the gatehouse, like the front security gate of this actual castle called the Huntington Castle. And we were super stoked. And we show up to it and someone was was already in it. It was occupied. So we walked up to the actual castle and turns out they, they fudged our reservation. And it was a super friendly family. And they just invited us in and said, we have two rooms available in here. You guys just stay with us. So we stay in this amazing castle had just this fantastic overall experience and the next day i mean it was really actually hard to get up and walk just on my bare feet the next day it was hard to get up and go to the bathroom in the middle of night and uh decided just to push on so the guy alexander decided or he said he had a friend that was that owned this small lodge that was about nine miles up the road uh or sorry seven miles up the road which is like 15k so i'm saying okay and to make it better his buddy was going to be in town and he could take my pack so I could just walk without a pack, which I was, I thought that's okay. It's not cheating, right? I'm still walking. So di- arranged all that. He took the, takes the pack. My 15 K walk was supposed to be, turns out to be 27 K. And it's the same thing like the 45 K walk t- the day before where halfway through you're looking at the map and you're going, wait a second, we've already walked a full day's walk and According to the map, I'm only halfway through. And all of a sudden, this massive rainstorm comes through. And I'm literally on top of this mountain. And these dark, deep, dark uh, uh, black clouds are rolling in. I'm like, damn, this is going to have lightning. What the hell am I going to do? Here comes the rain. starts pouring. And by the way, I have nothing. All I have is the Coca-Cola bottle of water, water that you gave me. That's it. No poncho, nothing. So I'm getting poured on. And I see maybe... Five, six hundred yards down this grassy hill is a, like a parked car. So I run down this hill. I'm getting absolutely drenched. The, I mean, this was the heaviest rainstorm by a multitude of maybe three that you and I walked through. Wow. And I'm waiting for lightning to come. I was super scared. And I basically run and kind of like dive quickly next to this car. And lo and behold, there's some old guy in the car, right? And he opens the door. He's like, come in, mate. Come in, mate. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm soaking wet. And he's like, can I get in here? Turns out he was driving off road and he was scared to drive in the rain. So he just stopped. So I get in the car and I'm with him for maybe an hour. I end up falling asleep in the car. Really old guy, super, super pleasant. And um, after it cleared, I, I continue walking. But I still had about 12K and I was totally drenched. And I actually put a video on my Facebook, like it's in the middle of nowhere, Johnny, like all you see is farms and green hills. It was really poorly, uh, poorly marked. And after, uh, after the 12 cash, I showed up, I was beaten and 
the cool thing with this place that I stayed, it was called Osborne Storehouse. Like I said, it was one of these guys that uh, he had lived in London for 14 years, was an architect. He's probably only like late 30s. He was an architect in London, just decided he was going to move back, build a pub and um, a two-room lodge. But he says he doesn't post it anywhere like on booking.com or Airbnb or anything because his pub is super, super localized and everyone at the pub has their own seat and it's the same crowd every time. So he's like, I can't have people coming in that are like travelers or whoever else and they come in and come down to the pub and they, you know, they're loud or whatever because it would kill my, my local audience base. So he's like, I only allow people that are referred to me from other people. So basically Alexander hooked me up. Uh, by getting me into this place. And without that, I would have had to go. The next nearest place to stay was like another 10K on. I don't even think I could have made it. So it was cool. I stayed at this really local place uh, with this guy, Eric, at his lodge. Uh, was able to go down to the pub. Met like tons of, of cool locals that it's just a small area. They, I mean, they never get travelers through there. So it was a really cool experience and another exhausting day. Um, but that, yeah, that was, that was yesterday. And today was, Ooh, you know, <laughs> you gotta pause there. That was, that's yeah. so much to take in. I mean, so first off, I am so glad I decided to stop <laughs> the walk after the Wicklow way finished and just come back to Dublin because that sounds like torture. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yesterday was, it was the first day I was having doubts because it was, I just realized that yesterday, every day is going to be longer than expected. There there is just no shortcuts. Everything takes longer. Uh, I don't think the maps, like I don't think Google Maps is very accurate and you can't really follow the, the maps that much. A lot of times we're, we're just like kind of blazing our own trail per se. Um, and one thing I forgot to mention last night, the town was so small, there was no food. So when I got in, I'm like, hey, you know, where can I get food? Or there is there is no food. So the only thing they had was potato chips at the pub. And I already felt out of place at the pub. You know, I didn't want I didn't want to be the guy that was kind of sitting in locals seats. And there's only like eight seats in the pub. But they ended up they were nice enough. They drove me about 15K into this other city to get Chinese takeout. <laughs> so I bought I bought he and his wife Chinese takeout because I felt bad. Uh, <laughs> that then, is so but, insane. Can you guys imagine living in a town so small that there are no restaurants. Right. But it's like you and I assumed. We're like, what do people do for food? But everyone just cooks, right? Um, you know, they're all they're all basically farmers. They have access to plenty of food. And I think a lot of it operates on the barter system where, you know, I'll give you some lamb and you give me some cabbage and so on and so forth. But the next morning, like, I wake up. I got mad hay fever. I can't – I can barely open my eyes. I'm dehydrated. Oh, and by the way, when I was in that guy's car that let me in his car, I left your water bottle that you gave me. I left my uh, sunglasses. And I left something else. I left like the three most important things that I had in, his, <laughs> in the guy's car because I was so delirious. And so I wake up the next morning. There's I, I'm just drinking, I'm dr drinking as much sink water as I can because I'm, I don't have anything to carry water in. And there's no breakfast and there's no coffee. So I just get on the road and I walk. You know, today I walked four hours. Um, to this city of Goresbridge, which was about halfway to Kilkenny. There's nothing in this city. So I'm like, how am I going to get a ride to Kilkenny? It's still 20 miles outside. I'm like, I got to get a ride. So I, uh, my buddy Damien, who's meeting me up here in Kilkenny, he organized a hotel. And then I text or I, was, I emailed the hotel. They sent a taxi to Goresbridge, thank goodness. So there's other ways. There's nowhere going to get to Kilkenny. Um, 
so that I, now I'm in Kilkenny now. I've decided I'm going to take three days off. And then um, after I get some rest, I'm going to take a taxi back to Gores Bridge so that I don't skip a beat and I'll just pick up the walk uh, from there in two or two or three days now. You are literally insane. And I'm well, so happy that I'm not with you, Sam. <laughs> Listen, one, one thing I've learned from business and these types of things that if you only have yourself to rely on and you're only yourself to, to, to keep a promise to, then it's really easy to let go. And I think that's why like in business, it's so important to find good business partners because it's really, really easy to give up if you're just, if it's just you. Uh, but you know, we're doing this charity. We've already had probably 40 people, uh, contribute to this, this charity. And it's, you know, the walk is, is the backbone of it. So there can't be any cheating and it's got to be every, every single step has got to be over land. So, uh, so yeah, I'm on a mission and make, uh, make the event and the charity whole. I think that's amazing. So if you guys want to support the charity and not make this whole walk for nothing, the details will be in the show notes. This is episode 160 something. (laughs) (laughs) You're still delirious from the walk, man. I am actually, to be honest, because yesterday was supposed to, I was supposed to be done yesterday. And then I woke up and I was like, all right, well, how do I get back to Dublin? And there is no bus that goes from from that little town of Clongal. I had to go to mm-hmm. Bloomcondi, which is the next um, bigger, slightly bigger town. And it was only something like you know ten or fifteen kilometers away. And I was like, oh, okay, that'd be fine. I'll just you know I'll do one more bonus day of walking. Maybe this will actually be good for my muscles after that crazy walk. But what had happened was first my feet are destroyed. My ankles are you know. Are hurting the bottom of my feet hurt. I have blisters on my feet now, mainly from that long day walk, especially because it was raining. And to get from Klongao to Blakondi, it's not that many kilometers, but it's straight up a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> As everything in Ireland seems to be, right? <laughs> yeah, and I and I'm walking. I'm like, I was like, what did I do? I just like, I I thought I was done. <laughs> I just tricked myself into. And to going further, especially because two different people had offered to drive me to Bukundi and I, and I refused both because I was like, ah, just go for a walk. And by the way, this is episode 164. If you guys haven't figured it out yet, the, the, the link to the charities in there, it's to bl- build playgrounds for kids in third world countries, namely Cambodia. Cause as hard as our lives are, we have to remember that we have a choice <laughs> to walk 45 kilometers. A lot of these kids, they don't. That that is their entire lives. So I'm glad that we were able to raise some awareness uh, for for them, especially Sam, who's going all the way to the west. And I, I agree. I, th- I think by by you having that out there and having a higher calling or higher meaning behind mm-hmm. it than just you know wanting to do it, you know, or you know thinking it might be an adventure, it might be fun. I think by announcing it and Doing it for someone more than just yourself, I think that is the only reason why you haven't just, you know, hopped on a bus back to Dublin to have some Guinness in the air. <laughs> you know what's pretty incredible, Johnny? Do you remember when we were in the the takeaway store? Yes, I do. Clo- like after we finished, right? And we saw a Galway girl. Yep. So for anyone out there that doesn't know, a Galway girl is based off of the Galway Girl song, which is in P.S. I Love You. And it talks about, uh, well, we'll have to, you know, 
you'll have to splice in a segment like the chorus of the song. But uh, I took a little stroll down an old long road all day. Ah, hey, ah, hey. I took a stroll down the old long walk on the day. Ah, hey, ah, hey. And it talks about a Galway girl, which is a dark haired girl with blue eyes. And apparently Galway's where they're from. So we're in this this pizza shop and there's actually like this pretty attractive girl with dark hair and blue eyes. This was like ordering like fish and chips takeaway or something. And um, Johnny was like, hey, are you a Galway girl? And she's like, no, I'm local or whatever. Well, funny enough, yesterday when I when I'm walking in like the middle of nowhere, she gets out of some van and it starts walking towards like some old house, like literally 15 feet away from me. Right. And this was 10, 10 kilometers up the road or like halfway through. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is this is almost like the P.S. I love you movie. Right. Where it's just like you run into someone and then you run into him again on like this really like rural area in Ireland. Uh, but of course, I have a girlfriend, so I, I didn't uh, engage in conversation or anything. But I just thought it was so random and uh, and sort of interesting that that happened. Yeah, definitely. And I think traveling and doing these adventures is is really one of those ways to open up possibilities in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Johnny, I wish you were coming along with me. Um, it's definitely it was definitely a great support group, and I'm so happy that you came to the Wicklow way. Something that I'll definitely remember forever. Uh, I think it's one of those trips that will just continue to get better and better and better and more fond of the memories and, um, and big high five to Ireland. Cause I think this is just one of the most spectacular countries that people don't spend enough time in, uh, beautiful people, beautiful country, and just a lot of, uh, a lot of good quality time here. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And actually just editing that video and watching it again, it, even though it literally just ended yesterday, I'm already kind of reminiscing about how beautiful this walk was. And I, I highly, highly encourage everyone to put this on their bucket list to, to do. I would recommend doing the Wicklow Way and then taking a bus back to Dublin and not continuing to, to walk over the hill. <laughs> um, but so I didn't tell you. I, so I couldn't get a bus uh, back to Dublin because it was a Sunday and it was a, a bank holiday. And Nobody told me that the buses weren't weren't running. It wasn't, you know, they don't have a website. I tried calling the phone number. Nobody picked up. I asked around. Nobody knew because people in this little village, you just don't leave it. They just kind of stay there. So I'm waiting at the side of the road for, you know, uh, for an hour for the bus to come. Doesn't come. And I go into the shops, ask around. And I say, oh, well, you know, there's another one uh, in another hour. Just, you know, just wait here. And I was so scared to miss it. I literally stood just in the middle of the road with my bright orange backpack, just waving down every bus that that went by, and they would stop, and they were like, and they were like, no, this isn't a bus, this is like a church van or something, and it started pouring rain. I think it was that same storm that you uh, yeah. had, you had got caught in, and I was like just giving up. I I, I think I just kind of almost like broke down, thinking, oh, I'm so fucking exhausted. Yeah. From walking from eight to eight days, and I've been standing here for two hours, and there's you know there's nothing, there's no there's no help. And the nice thing was there was actually a ton of people who stopped to talk to me and like asked if they can help, but none of the, you know, but nobody was of any actual help, you know, uh, because 
they didn't know anything about the bus system and nobody was going that direction. Let me ask you, during during that experience, did you feel stressed or did you feel something else? Uh, I don't know if it was stress. I think part of it was stress, but part of it was kind of just like, I mean, so I think I went through a lot of emotions. One was thinking like the infrastructure here sucks. You know, it's, mm-hmm. they don't have a clearly labeled bus stop. Like there's no fucking website. Like there's no, like, why is it this crappy? Like if they're going to offer a service, they might as well make it like, you know, actually run. And the second part I was thinking is like, you know what? I feel like I'm so, I'm like all alone in this random, you know, town somewhere and you're gone. I don't know anyone here. You know, I'm, I really am. And like that stranger, that outsider. And I actually thought about, you know, what, like, what do I do? You know, and the, the good thing is I knew I had options. I knew luckily because I don't have a tight schedule or a job to get back to. Uh, and because I have enough money in the bank and also money coming in through passive income where if anything, I could, I could have just, you know, checked into a better breakfast there and just said, all right, well, I guess I'm just living in this town now. I, I, I can't get out of it mm-hmm. uh, or at least spend the night. So I think that was, that was all running through my mind, but I think I was so tired that I was, I was like, I was almost kind of like Jesus take the wheel. Like, let's see what happens. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I'm, relatively high stressed individual and I have been so unstressed during this trip. It's been amazing. I mean, I'm way behind on work. I'm like you said, the infrastructure is not great. Things aren't always working at optimal efficiency, but there's just something about the nature. Like the, everything is unbelievably green. It's almost like in Tahoe this year, like the snow was just unbelievable. The greenery here, it's, it's more than you can ever imagine. It's like, a photo will never do it justice. It's just green everywhere. And I think that does something to like the human psyche where it's like a lot of our days were super enduring and the days continue to be really enduring physically, mentally, emotionally. But the stress, like I don't feel stressed about work or money or transit. And I think that's also one of the beautiful things about being on your feet is that you just control your day and your destiny and your pace. Like it's not like you're on a train or a plane where you can't get off and you have no control and like you have all the, the security and bullshit. It's just like you're on your feet and you know you're going 15 or 20K a day. And if you want to go at 2K a mile or, or uh, an hour or 6K an hour, there's something just very liberating about being on your feet. Um, uh, the only th- emotion that I really had last night that I felt was again was like you said, the loneliness because everyone was gone and I was just in this unbelievably small town with no food. Uh, and I knew I was getting up the next morning with no breakfast, no coffee. And I was just going to have to walk 20 K and then try to find a taxi in another small town. That's not going to have taxi and a little bit of a helpless feeling. But then again, everybody here is so, so nice that you always know if you're going to get, if you're in any trouble, you find a house, you walk up to it, 99% chance they're going to invite you in for tea and, and, uh, and help you on your way. Yeah, and I definitely think that this is like one of the few places left on Earth where people are really are that friendly. I mean, just the fact that you took a nap in some random guy's car for an hour <laughs> really highlights that. Yeah, that's good stuff. It's it's great to have those experiences too. It helps you build faith in humanity and and uh, and I think bond to to of course to the human race for lack of better words. Yeah, well, I didn't tell you. Uh, you this yet, but 
I just couldn't get a bus at all from that town. Mm-hmm. And a local police officer was like, oh, I'll, you know, I'll drive you over to the next town where they have buses that leave every hour. And he said, you know, um, but I, I got to take a call first. <laughs> there's like a, um, there's like a, like a, a fight happening at a used car dealership. <laughs> He's like, uh, if, uh, if the, if the bus doesn't, if you're still standing here by the time that it calls over, uh, I'll drive you, uh, there on my way home. <laughs> and wow. I, you know, I didn't think he was coming back. You know, it was raining and I was like, he probably forgot about me or he probably assumed I got a bus. And I was so grateful when he pulled up and he's like, get in. Man, that, that's just great to hear. That is really, this is, and that, I mean, that stuff just doesn't happen in too many places. So, I mean, it, it is like a, it is so different. I think there's there's the two sides of it because you know even just yesterday, you know the first half of my day was walking, being alone in nature, you know, quiet little tiny village, and then last night because I wanted to celebrate, finish the walk, and you know I just haven't done anything you know so long. I decided to go on a pub crawl, and in Dublin it's insane, you know, and I'm like hanging out with these like it's probably like forty people. You know, going bar to bar, getting free shots as you go in, drinking a Guinness. I'm hanging out with these three gorgeous girls from Holland that were all sisters. And just like thinking, this is also the life. You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. you know, the complete opposite from what I was doing in the morning. And I think that I guess the dichotomy of, of the two really kind of puts us, you know, puts perspective into what makes us happy. And I, I don't think it's one or the other. I think it's, it's making time it's for both. It's a variety. It's always a variety, right? If, if you just if you just were doing the walking and countryside stuff, that would be dull. And if you were just in the bars with the Holland girls, although that sounds good on paper, that would get dull. You got to have variety. You got to have balance. Um, but more and more that we travel and experience, I think I'm finding, and I think this has something to do with age. But I'm finding that na- like nature is a super super important piece. That I think I, throughout most of my life I've been missing, at least in in large quantities throughout the year. And this year I've had the opportunity to spend so much time, you know, out in Tahoe and the Carolinas, and now Ireland, where I've spent very little time actually in the cities. And my stress levels have gone way down, and I think the quality of life this year has gone way way up. Yeah, and I, and I I'm definitely grateful that we have the opportunities to be able to to do both. And I think we are living in a very, very unique time in the world where it is possible for pretty much everyone to be able to work remotely, to be able to, to you know, be be able to be a, a digital nomad if you want to, or just be location independent uh, at least part of the year and experience these things because it's it really is so much better than just sitting behind a cubicle. And I, and I think you can you can do it any way you want. I I think. One thing that would have made this much easier is if we planned the routes <laughs> to be shorter. Where mm-hmm. you know, even if we just walked five k a day, which doesn't sound like that much, but I guarantee that's more than most people walk. And if you just walked, you know, a short distance every day, but you you still get that feeling of seeing something new, going slowly towards the next destination. And if you did that, you would have so much time to work on your business or work remotely for your employer for the rest of the day and you really could get the best of both 
Well, we just had on, um, for any of the listeners that also listen to Invest Like a Boss, we just had on MJ DeMarco, and we we're talking about fast lane versus slow lane. And, you know, we, we talk about this stuff a lot with the, with the digital revolution. You know, it's out there for anybody. MJ DeMarco said it's, you know, the fast lane is not for anybody, but it's out there for anybody who likes it or wants it. And I think of the same as for remote, remote work. You know, you can be 20 and have great opportunities. You could also be 60 and have great opportunities to work online and do stuff like that. Uh, and on your advice, Johnny, I'm definitely going to slow down the pace. The, the 20, 20K days, I think, are going to be few and far between. Um, if I can do 10K days and have a nice like quality walk, doesn't feel rushed, and if it rains, I can stop and not feel like I'm you know, missing time. I, I think that's a really good pace. Yeah, definitely. So I wonder, aside Ireland, just because it's, I guess, a little bit too rural where you almost kind of have to book your hotels in advance because it's you, you, there's a chance you just get stuck with nowhere to stay. I wonder, is, is there somewhere in the world, maybe even in the U.S., where you can walk 10Ks a day, a day have – enough options where you can just randomly check into, you know, a hotel or, um, a, you know, a motel somewhere and maybe even have access to co-working spaces along the way, which you guys can find at coworker.com, of course. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, I don't think so. Not in the U.S. because it's too spread out, right? Yeah, I, I think you're right on that. Uh, but it's a, it's a really good question. I would say... If it was going to be anywhere, it'd probably be in Europe because so many like villages and towns originally were uh, were created within you know within walking distance to other ones. But uh, Ireland might be the best example out there, and I don't know if we would have had that insight without this trip. But uh, this is a pretty unique place in that in that fact that a lot of the planning like I have no idea where we're going to go and when we start walking again in two three days. And frankly, I'm not that worried about it. Right? It's just like you can super prepare but in a place like this i think part of the joy and excitement is really not having too much of a plan because we you know typically in our lives with business and and uh our lifestyle we're planning way far out we're planning two or three months out in advance so it's kind of nice just to roll it back and not have a plan for the next day or two and just know that you're in a place that is more than likely going to be able to accommodate you and your needs um and if anything bad happens, you always have kind of a safety net here. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I, and I think one of the, my favorite things about your personality is you're very flexible with your lifestyle. As in, you're okay sleeping, you know, at a a five star hotel or sleeping like in a lean to shelter or dorm room out out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> As long as there's nobody snoring next to me, yeah, I'm, usually, I'm okay. <laughs> it's good to mix it up, man. It's just like flying. It's like flying first class and flying, uh, you know, economy or taking buses and taking trains. Um, I was actually just looking at flights. Emirates, you can fly Dublin to uh, Hong Kong. You can fly business class for two grand, which is a f- phenomenal experience. If anyone wants to splurge. I think we talked about this on one of the previous Travel Like a Boss episodes, but it is one of the coolest experience you can do. But make sure you're on the A380, not the 777, because if you're on the A380, it's the double-decker, biggest commercial plane in the world, and they have the onboard bar, which is a totally different flying experience. So I was just checking, because after this, I'm going to be ready for a little bit of pampering. Uh, so you can fly two grand from Dublin to Hong Kong, 
or for $3,600, which sounds really expensive, but I'm telling these flights are usually like 10 grand for $3,600. You can fly first class where you get your own, you can literally get your own cabin with like a full on, uh, full, uh, you know, full size bed and you get, uh, it's just the works. It's crazy. It's all like gold plated. It's amazing. Wow. I, I think either of those options sounds amazing. I know you're going to be spending most of your time at the bar on the plane. So I'm sure business class would be just fine for you. Yeah. That's, um, that's the beauty of it. It's, you know, on a long flight, 12 hours, even if you're in a, a nice big seat, I just don't like being kind of confined to an area. So the, the wonderful thing about the A380s is that you can get up and walk around and you have literally a social lounge there with 10, 50, I've been in the, those lounges sometimes with 20 people and everyone's up there drinking wine, you know, trading business cards, talking about stories. They get the stewardess back there all, you know, having fun. It's, it totally changes flying. I know, you know, Richard Branson's dream was to put uh, casinos on his planes. Eventually they also have the bars on the, on some of the Virgin jets, but yeah, hopefully this becomes a new standard because I think once you experience that, unfortunately going back and flying like domestic in the U S really, really sucks. But hopefully it will uh, continue to push the industry and category along so that flying can be just a much, much more enjoyable experience. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And I think for anyone who ever complains saying like, oh, like, why are you guys wasting all this money in business class or doing this? I think it, part of it is it gives us a reason to work harder and kind of strive harder and, and continue to work hard. But also, I think a lot of people don't realize that economy seat tickets the only reason why they're even as cheap as they are today is because i think it's something like two-thirds of the profit from flying actually comes from the 20 seats up front Mm -hmm. versus the 150 seats in economy make up less than one-third of the actual airline profit so if nobody was flying business class or first class every ticket would cost you two grand wherever you go. Yeah, it makes sense. The, uh, the airlines are a pretty fine-tuned revenue management machine. Uh, also, by the way, I just finished Richard Branson's book. Uh, what is it called? Losing My Virginity. Phenomenal book, man. That is, it was actually a Rob Shaw recommendation. And I, it's a bit of an older book, I think, but that is, that's a killer book. I mean, that's up there. In terms of autobiographies, I put that and maybe like Call Me Ted up there. It's kind of Top top couple, at least on my reading list. Okay. I, I love it. And if you guys haven't heard Sam Mark's backstory, we talked about it on episode 105. The episode is called Millionaire Digital Nomad with Sam Marks. And if you want to know how Sam made all his money, he was a speaker at the 2016 Nomad Summit. You can look for it on YouTube. Uh, just look for Nomad Summit and it's called Building a Hundred Million Dollar Company. And now we are living like hobos out of a backpack and sleeping in the middle of nowhere in our little villages. Uh, did you decide what you're going to do with your backpack yet? I think I'm just going to give it away. I already gave away my sleeping bag uh, on, on the last stop just because I, I, I figured I would never use it. And so so John, Johnny and I had a debate when we were in Barcelona a few weeks ago. We both had our luggage and I said, OK, I'm going to take my luggage and just gamble at finding a place to leave it for the month because we couldn't find any place that had like official left luggage or luggage storage. 
And Johnny said, well, okay, I can fly for $50 to Dublin. I'll take the gamble of just leaving my baggage here. And it's probably cheaper that I can just fly back to Barcelona and grab it on the way back. So I took mine and long story short, BA lost it and then delivered it like three days <laughs> into the trip at this totally random hotel on the uh, countryside. But they accepted it. So it's there. I got to figure out how to go back and collect it. And Johnny, your bag is in Barcelona. Yeah. So it's pretty insane. I think both of us got the short end of the stick. Yeah, right. uh, I think we both lost. Yeah. <laughs> there's no winner in this. No. I think one of the, so the main reason why I left my luggage in Barcelona was first, I didn't want to like hassle anybody in Ireland because not knowing where I can leave my bag, I didn't want to, you know, go door to door and just asking, Hey, can I leave my baggage here or risk having to pay something like $20 a day just to store a backpack. I went out of backpack a, a rolling luggage. And since I had a friend in Barcelona, I figured I could just leave my, my bag here. And assuming that I would be coming back through Spain for whatever crazy reason in my head, I just didn't want, you know, honestly, I think what it was is I just didn't want to think about it. I just didn't want to deal with it. I was so excited to go on this trip. And I figured this is one of those things where I don't have to think about right now. I can just go there with just what I want to walk with. And it's going to be great. And I think for that, it was worth it. But now that I actually had to deal with the consequences where I have to fly back to Barcelona, which is three hours out of the way to my next uh, destination, which is now Germany, it's, I realize, and I have to pay another hundred something dollars uh, because there's no $50 flights anymore. I realize it is always better to plan ahead a little bit, you know, instead of just putting things off because eventually it will bite you in the ass. Yeah, it makes sense. And where are you? Head You're in Dublin right now. Where are you headed next? So I didn't know where I was going to go, to be honest. I, I'm waiting for my buddy Chris, uh, who is getting sick of Bali now. He's He just got scammed for $500 out of the ATM, which happens to pretty much everybody who ever uses an ATM in Bali, which is basically everybody, even though he is super careful. He's probably one of the most careful people in the world. He double checks all the time. He covers his pin everything. He got both his ATM and on a separate occasion, his credit card cloned. Uh, and it's and the lack of infrastructure there. Just everything's kind of getting to him. And he and he realized Bali is not, I mean, it really is being in the third world country and it's, it kind of sucks. So he's you know ready to come to Europe. So I'm going to meet him somewhere. We haven't decided where yet. Maybe Poland, maybe Budapest, maybe somewhere else. But because I have some time to kill, after I pick up my bag in Barcelona, I'm going to slowly make my way through Germany. I'm going to check out Hamburg first because I've never been there before. And it's on the way to Berlin, which Affiliate World is having their conference next week. And even though I won't be attending the conference, uh, I got invited to some of their after parties. So I figured I'd just go there, hang out, have an open bar and mm-hmm. meet some meet some cool people. Yeah, I think that's a good decision. That'll be fun. You got you to gotta take those those once or twice a year networking events and uh, you just got to go after it because it's, it always ends up being a good idea. I think. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And if you guys are planning your next network event, the nomad summit is, is going to be mid January, 2018 in Chiang Mai, Thailand. I know a lot of people have been asking about that. So I should probably put up some type of a uh, placeholder just so people know. Um, Let's but, uh let's yeah. coordinate for that because if that's going to be the end of January, um, 
the installation for the playgrounds could be anywhere in January, February, March. So it'd be kind of cool if we could actually take, you know, a small group from Nomad Summit and then go over to Cambodia afterwards and and have a, a little bit of a larger group to do the installation. Yeah, I think that would be amazing. Uh, and I, probably the easiest way would be for us to just plan on going to Cambodia kind of mid-February, but like yeah. right at the start of burning season. Mm-hmm. That way everybody can meet in Chiang Mai in January or they want to come a little bit earlier, you know, November, December, those are great months to be there. You know, spend two, three months, maybe even build another business, uh, create mm-hmm. another stream of passive income and kick it off with the Nomad Summit as a, kind of a celebration. And from there, go to Cambodia and build these playgrounds that Sam helped raise through Child's Dream. And you helped raise too, my man. I appreciate it. I actually just checked right now we're on. We've already raised $9,000, which is incredible in four, five days. Um, and that is enough already to build three of these playgrounds, which is, these are amazing playgrounds. They're for the, we, we installed one in 2016 and it was incredible. When we went there to actually install it, all these kids came running from the local village and helped, they were literally digging this kind of rocky terrain out with their with their hands. And they're helping build holes. And they were helping any way they could to install this. They were so excited. And, uh, and, and after the playground was complete and everyone was playing on it, it was just, it was such an incredible feeling. So uh, we think it's a really, really good cause. Um, the difference in, you know, these rural children having the opportunity to play and bond and do sports together, uh, versus the opportunity of them not having that. I think it's, I think it's incredible. And when you see the kids smiling and playing and, uh, getting on with each other, then I think it's a, it's a really good experience that if you have the opportunity, please join us, uh, give, give us a little bit of notice and, uh, we'd love to have you come and help put in some playgrounds. Yeah. I, I think that's super cool. And if you guys want to donate to help make this possible or even just spread the word, if you go to the show notes of this episode, we'll have a link to the GoFundMe campaign. And yeah, the, the, this has been this has been crazy. I'm I'm almost kind of I'm glad it's over, but I'm kind of sad that this uh, Ireland trip has come to an end. Well, you kind of leave something to be desired, right? Um, Ireland will always be here. We can do another trip, another year. We can do another walking trip against uh, across another country. There's Iceland. There's a lot of places out there that are still interesting, on big on the to-do list. So you don't have to do it all at once. It's good to save some things uh, and and have some memories to, to fall back on. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. So what are your travel plans after – well, I guess you're still going to be walking for at least a few more weeks. So maybe you, don't even, you haven't even thought that far yet. Yeah, I'm planning on most of June to be in Ireland, um, waiting to see if my girlfriend can get her visa. If she can, we'll probably stay in Europe for a bit longer. And if she can't, then um, the options were either A, go back and uh, I kind of want to spend a, a, a season in Carolina, in the Carolinas. I really, really am just loving the Carolinas right now and all the the outdoor opportunity, recreation. Again, the people are amazing. Uh, or come back to Asia. I'd say it's, it's more than likely to go back to Asia and spend the fall between Hong Kong and Thailand. Okay, I, I love it. Uh, I have a feeling that we will be hanging out very soon, either here in Europe somewhere or back in Thailand or maybe even out in uh, Georgia. I wouldn't mind checking out – or not Georgia, uh, the Carolinas. I think that will be 
a fun uh, experience. It's a spot. We got a lot of uh, big name contacts there now too. Phil Town and um, they're building a tech village in Atlanta. I think it's already built northern Atlanta. So some pretty cool stuff going on in the area. And if we don't hit it this fall, then uh, more than likely next spring. Very cool. So if you guys enjoyed this episode, you guys will probably enjoy our other podcast, Invest Like a Boss, that Sam and I co-host. And lately, we've been having some huge name guests on there. Last week, we had James Altucher on the show. And this week, we have MJ DiMarco, the author of Millionaire Fastlane and his new book, Unscripted. So check out investlikeaboss.com or subscribe to the show here on iTunes. Uh, Sam, if people want to reach out, coworker.com, anywhere else, Twitter, Instagram. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not too visible on any of that stuff, but uh, investlikeaboss or coworker.com, yeah. Okay, love it. And big thank you to everyone who's been taking the time to leave these amazing five-star reviews on iTunes. You guys are the reason why we're able to keep going uh, week after week with the shows. This week, I want to thank Alvin J. Four from Australia. Australia. He says, inspiring, <laughs> mate. Five stars. Thank you, Johnny, for being so transparent in both your blog and this podcast. You were a great ambassador for the digital nomads and an inspiration to many who wish to go down the same path as you helped pave. Thank you, Alvin. And thanks, Sam. I appreciate you uh, being on the show. Thank you, Johnny. I had, it was great with you all last week. And thanks for your support in uh, in this good cause for Child's Dream and Building Playgrounds. Appreciate it, my man. Yeah, I love it. And if you guys want to come out to Ireland and check out what the Wicklow Way has to offer or check out what the country has to offer, or if you want to maybe fly from Dublin to Hong Kong business or first class, check out our sponsor, tripstreak.com slash travel like a boss for all your airplane booking needs, especially if you want to filter out and find, you know, airplanes with truly lay flat seats or, you know, whatever your preferences are flying. Thanks again. And I'll see all of you guys next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.